Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Green Through. Here today with us, I am pleased to be joined by Sam Sindel, who happens to be the managing director of a digital marketing agency called Propellernet. That being said, we're not here to discuss uh, Sam's involvement within the marketing industry, but uh, we're here to present his uh, recently established initiative called Low Carbon Leaders, which helps businesses go beyond net zero. That being said, one of the ways that the initiative helps businesses go beyond offsetting is through another initiative falling under the Low Carbon Leaders umbrella called uh, uh, Million Tree Pledge. In a few words, this amazing initiative um, was initiated by a group of small business owners and um, today um, the pledges have committed to planting 24 million trees and this initiative is only just getting started and growing. So that being said, Sam, I think it would be suitable to start with a little introduction regarding your background and it would also be fascinating to gauge how you got, um, how you got involved with starting this um, initiative of yours. Yeah, great. Thanks, Eric. Um, nice to speak with you today. So, yeah, my, my role in, in my day job, if you like, is to run a small business. And um, 99% of the businesses in the UK are small to medium sized. Um, so my passion around climate action is really mobilising um, the force of collective action across this set of businesses, and of which there are six million. So there's a huge okay. um, opportunity, I think, for smaller business to t- businesses to take really ambitious action on climate change. So with Low Carbon Leaders, what I'm trying to do is inspire companies to go beyond net zero. So there's a lot of talk around the net zero targets that as a global community we need to deliver, also as individual businesses, or you could even argue individuals that we have to meet. And um, I love talking about net zero, but I love even more talking about how do you go even further than that. Um, So Low Carbon Leaders is is to inspire companies to go further with climate action. And you mentioned the Million Tree Pledge. So... um, as a business, uh, Propellernet, the business that I run, we're just over 40 people, uh, a single office down in Brighton in the UK, and uh, we committed to planting a million trees in three years. It felt like the kind of scale of ambition that we wanted to undertake. Uh, I should mention that all the companies I work with, including Propellernet, also have an aggressive uh, carbon emission reduction plan. Um, this right. isn't a, sort of a gesture um, without taking that part of net zero seriously too. But what, what a million trees does is it sends you into a, a completely different territory beyond net zero because uh, the collective drawdown of that volume of trees um, means that we are pulling way more greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere than we're responsible for um, emitting across our scopes one, two and three. So um, I was excited by that target and then I just met some like-minded businesses quite organically actually through a third party who were also talking about the same thing Uh, and we decided to set a pledge up so um, now any business can sign up to plant a million trees and we've got project partners and platforms that you can uh, make that as easy as possible Um, so that's been going really well and I'm excited to see more and more companies joining that uh, sort of every month right right and I think it'll be suitable to start also with um, let's just say looking into your own um, orchard so um, you know I wanted to uncover um, how you went about the, um, I wouldn't say decarbonizing, but, you know, the lowering of emissions through um, within propeller nets. So, you know, how do you go about the quantifying and uh, also the possibly the offsetting of these emissions within your supply chain and business model? Absolutely. So really just to go back to basics, um, you know, measuring your carbon footprint is a really key uh, thing to undertake as a business so that you have an understanding of, about where your carbon emissions sit. Um, right. The surprise for me, I guess, when I went through that is that ninety over 90% of our carbon emissions are in scope three, essentially our okay. supply chain. 
Um, because we're a business that only needs people and laptops and we don't have a huge amount of business travel either, we've got a single office that hasn't been used very much recently because of uh, the lockdowns and, and the pandemic. Um, it means that a lot of our focus and attention is on our scope three emissions. So that right. was the first, um, first surprise that we got from that. I would, I would like to add, though, there's a lot of people that talk about um, following a linear process like measure your carbon footprint, then you know you have to set targets and then you can work on reducing your emissions. And then when you've done right. all of that, you can offset the bit that you can't get rid of. That's that's the linear path to net zero. Okay. I, I, I massively advocate for ripping that up and not following that advice. I think all of those elements are required, but it doesn't matter so much which order you do them in. So, for example, um, when we set about our environment um, kind of plan, we started planting trees straight away because I could just do that okay. now. I just had to find some right. money, find the right partner, make sure that this, these projects were gold standard verified and therefore were putting the right trees in the right part of the world for, for the right reasons and managed properly. Um, so we set about tree planting, you know, quite, quite bold tree planting before I knew what our carbon footprint was. I knew we'd get to measuring it, but um, I suppose there are, a whole different ways that you can choose to measure your carbon footprint, some more accurate than others. And rather than research all of that and spend a bunch of time and potentially more money um, trying to figure that out, I thought, well, let's just get on and do something straight away. For sure. and, and I'd really advocate that way of thinking. And, and we stopped using the word offset, really, right from the beginning. We, we don't see the journey to net zero as a linear process, measure, reduce, offset. You know, that, that doesn't apply to our business. We've broken net zero down into to two discrete projects one is okay let's reduce our emissions or three scopes by as much as possible and do everything we can continue you know that will never end we will be doing that okay and, you know till we squeeze every last carbon uh emission continuous undertaking let's say and and absolutely and then the separate part is invest as much as possible in restoring our climate and for us that's nature-based solutions which we see as the most effective um, solution currently so so we do both of those two things in as bold a way as we can that for us replaces a net zero journey because um, we have a very low carbon footprint in the grand scheme of things. In fact, it's less than 100 tonnes of carbon equivalent emissions across all three right. scopes annually, um, which is really small in, in, in the scale of, of the, the climate challenge that we face. And, and we're true of a number of businesses. We're, we're in the service sector. It's a bunch of people and laptops. We don't make anything. We don't distribute anything. We don't travel very much. So our carbon footprint is is very small when you when you really measure it. And we got a third party expert to come in and tell us that. Um, and and there are so many other businesses like ours across all of professional services. Um, you know, I'm in the digital um, economy, but there are businesses like. Um, legal firms or accountancies right. or you name it they exist all over the world and, and they're similar to us it's people and laptops right. and perhaps an office and so what i'm really trying to inspire in those businesses is to is to yes have a plan for net zero but go beyond because um if we want to get to net zero as a global business community that means every single business in every sector, many of which are very hard to abate, you know, aviation, construction. These are these are sectors that are going to have to go through a, a complete transformation. Right. The companies like us, very nimble, very agile, but perhaps not the highest carbon emissions, um, have an opportunity to go into what, what a lot of people would refer to as negative emissions or climate positive. And that's when we're pulling out way more greenhouse gases that are up in the atmosphere than we're emitting. And right. that's what I'm helping businesses to see and then to, to go after. Um, and just a final point on that. This isn't a, a, a bold, radical, 
uh, idea to get to negative emissions because when the IPCC produced their modelling for uh, limiting global warming to within 1.5 degrees, which everyone is now signed up to, um, they had 96 different scenarios for how to get there. And only right. four of those scenarios didn't involve significant right. negative emissions as part of the plan. And so what I what I see is the opportunity, particularly for business that has money flowing through it. So therefore, there's opportunity to to invest in in natural solutions. Um, I see this as one of the, the secrets to achieving that. We can't just wait for governments to fund it all. I think the private sector has a role. And I think businesses like Propellinet and other low carbon leaders can help us get there. I couldn't agree more with you. It's, uh, you know, about taking medicine to your own hands as opposed to just waiting for somebody else to, you know, wave a magic wand and act accordingly. And uh, I particularly gravitated towards the multiplier effect for um, small businesses, right? And let's just take the UK as an example because, you know, you operate within it. And um, I think you mentioned there's over 6 million um, small businesses of varying scales, right? And success within it. Um, I wanted to ask you, in terms of also for the listeners, Scope 3 are the hardest um, emissions to quantify because, you know, they're not directly or indirectly involved with um, with the business in question. Um, do you think that going forward in order to, what can I say, maximize the success and the reach of your initiative or similar um, and comparable initiatives, that there has to be a template in place? So, as you said, that a legal counsel firm or an accounting um, entity or a digital marketing agency would then be, okay, this is the, because more often than not, it's excuses, right? And like, okay, for example, Sam did this through the marketing agency, but, you know, I operate within legal, so his plan doesn't apply to me. I think, you know, those excuses could particularly be short-sighted. I want to ask you, do you think it's important to have at least a template in place that is somewhat versatile and malleable according to the, to the entity in question? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think net zero is a great thing because it gives us a calculation. It gives something to to target. Um, North Star, let's but say. why I don't? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's great that there's yeah a starting point. You can you can quantify it. You can calculate what it would take to get there, and that's really important. Business business is a game of certainty. Like people have to plan. There's budgets involved. There's headcount sure. involved. You know, but it, it talks the right language. Net zero as a target talks the right language to businesses. But I don't think it inspires the level of ambition that business needs to needs to step up to. And what's brilliant right. about Scope 3, and particularly for service sector companies where Scope 3 is where the bulk of emissions live, is it takes collaboration. Because my calculation is based on the carbon emissions of someone in our supply chain. Now, I'm right. starting work, so this is something we haven't gone as far with as we need to yet, but starting work in speaking to particularly our highest polluting supply chain contributors to say to them, look, let's go on a journey together here, right? right? You're a big part of our carbon footprint now. We need to work out how that's going to come down because we need to step up to the targets that we're setting ourselves. Incidentally, Propellinet's target is a 50% carbon emission reduction by 2023. So we've brought okay. our, you know, the, the science tells us we need a 50% reduction by 2030. The UK government have committed to 78% reduction by 2035. So, you know, we, we, we can see what the big picture targets are. Right. We, we want to be moving as quickly as possible. So we're, we're, we're bringing that target right forward. Um, but the only way we'll get there, given 90% of our emissions are in our supply chain, is to work with our suppliers. Now, I'm not sure. of the mind to go to each of them and sort of say, unless you can do X, we're moving and we're switching to a greener alternative. It's not the approach we're taking. We want to help them understand their own carbon footprint, help if we can in ways to reduce that. 
and then get an accurate calculation from them so that we can include it as a, as a, as a uh, reliable figure in our own calculation. And collectively, it's helping them reduce their scope one and scope two, right? This is the, sure. this is the thing about scope three. Your, your scope three is someone else's scope one and two. So we can help them make informed decisions around what they're doing and improve what they're doing. So you would think that, you know, imagine if all six million businesses took this approach. Well, we're all suppliers of each other for a start. So what we're doing Precisely. is we're collaborating because we, to clean up each of our carbon footprints, we've all got to do something. So there's something quite powerful in the way that that calculation, you know, defined by the greenhouse gas protocol, these scopes, you know, that, that for people that don't know what they are, it's quite off-putting, but, it, but it's actually quite simple when you get your head around it. And I think for service sector businesses, it's all about scope three. And, and really interestingly in the UK, I'm sure it's true of other territories as well, Larger organisations are now insisting on science-based targets for their suppliers because that's part of their scope three. And so a lot of our contracts that we win with other companies, they want to know, well, what's your carbon footprint? Because you're part of my calculation. Now, there's a huge advantage to businesses that can say what we can say, which is we've probably got some of the most aggressive targets across this of, of anyone. So actually as a supplier to you and part of your carbon footprint calculation, we're a net reducer potentially of your carbon footprint Precisely. because we're going into this area of negative emissions. So so it's kind of like there's so much to win from this, not just for the climate, but as a business strategically, it's a smart move to be really active in this space. And it, and it takes less time and costs less money than, than people who haven't started it think. That's, that's the thing I've learned more than anything. When I found that, when I was thinking about tree planting, in my head I was doing some numbers and I was ready to go to the major shareholders of our business and say, I'm going to need hundreds of thousands of pounds over the next five years to do this. What I quickly realised with it is nothing like that. It's nothing like that. We are spending, we're spending tens of thousands of pounds a year and we're in a radical position. So, so you know, even if you were just doing the minimum here, it's prob- probably maybe thousands, maybe even hundreds of pounds. What one tree that we plant in Madagascar, a mangrove, which sequesters four times as much carbon as a native tree in the UK, um, but also has the added benefit of providing um, income to um, countries like Madagascar who, who could really do with different uses of their land. It also provides uh, erosion protection, wildlife habitat. I mean, ecosystem wow. rebuilding, it's, it's such a brilliant initiative and each mangrove we plant costs 12 and a half pence okay so when you do the maths on how much it costs to plant let's let's take a million trees imagine if we planted a million mangroves it's 120,000 pounds and you could spread that over i don't know five years ten years okay for for some businesses that's definitely out of reach but for many businesses and i include us in that that's a suitable level of investment that feels like you're actually owning some of the responsibility of this. Um, and I do think it surprises people when you talk to them. It's because people naturally think, oh, we must plant a tree in our local park or, you know, and that might cost £30. And that's true. But actually, I think when you take a global view on this and actually where your investment can have the biggest impact, quite often it's not local tree plant- planting initiatives, although we need to support them too. It's taking a global solution. And, and that means planting the right trees in the best parts of the world that will have the maximum impact. And so we did a lot of research into that before we started investing. I agree with you. And um, I think you touched, you briefly mentioned uh, a stakeholder that I wanted to um, explore more within this um, initiative of yours, which is the shareholders, right? Because as you said, um, you know, business is driven by metrics and the targets, but it's also driven by investors, whatever your business case may be. Uh, may be. I wanted to ask you, maybe not necessarily going into the specific 
uh, ins and outs of the pledge of the pledgers within the pledge that you're um, that you've started. Yeah. Within PropellerNet, have you noticed? Um, maybe not necessarily from their perspective, but maybe as a result of your, um, let's just say, greener uh, recent tendencies, um, that they wanted to learn more and gravitate towards more a future that is not just about you know meeting business targets, but also making sure that, as you mentioned, we're supporting initiatives in Madagascar or in Nicaragua, or whatever they may be, and that they're also helping our business because you know going forward there will be ever more incentives to offset and that may may come as you know tax reductions or whatever whatever the case yeah yeah um hand on heart i didn't have to work too hard to get to this position within propellernet i'm lucky that i work for a really progressive um agile future thinking business in a sector that is creative and future thinking being digital um and so having put this out there as an idea it got unified support uh one of the things that we've done over the last year is to become a certified b corporation so this is a growing movement of businesses um that ultimately change um their decision making uh process within businesses not just to prioritize shareholder value generation but to apply equal weighting to other stakeholders and in particular that means environmental concern and social impact so that is now um at the heart of our business decision making and and right from the owners down to everyone that works here and so having gone through that process i guess we've really kind of um anchored ourselves on what we believe is what a business of the 2020s and beyond should should look like and should operate and, and it's really interesting to read reports on this um pwc did a great report not long ago that um quantified the growth potential of businesses that are certified B Corps. And they concluded that B Corps are growing 29 times quicker than the average business in in the UK. And so it really, it really resonates with me. The fact that doing the right thing, using a business as a vehicle for doing the right thing and, and recognizing the responsibilities of business beyond generating profits and then allocating that to shareholders, um, has benefits it's not it's not a philanthropic we haven't done this to be philanthropic we've done it because no, it's no, the right no. thing to do and it happen and we passionately believe in it but as a business we're growing as a result and there was a great um piece actually i mean eric you'll have seen this with me uh, because we did a similar course we did the same course earlier right. this year with the cambridge university team but um on that course um the vp ex-vp of sustainability at unilever sue gerrard um, talked about the four business oh, cases for and, and I'll just read them out quickly. I've got them here, which, which really inspired me. So number one is, will it drive growth for your business? And for us, we've definitely experienced growth over the last year. There's been a number of different features that we can't attribute all of that to our stance. But I would say we're attracting the kind of leads that we want to work with, brands that we really care about and, and love exist in the world because they're on our wavelength. So it's definitely driven growth for us. Will it reduce long-term cost? So this is unequivocal. We are going to see the introduction of of the pricing of carbon. It has to happen. There's too, too much resting on this. Both the risk to the global economy, but also individual governments' pledges need to be met. And so we know from things like the introduction of a tax on things like plastic bags and the impact it can have. It's it's punitive, but it's one of the measures that works most effectively. So I believe that everything we're doing to shift to greener um, ways of operating will reduce our long-term costs, even if we've invested a little in getting that up and running so far. The third thing is, will it, will what you're doing mitigate climate-related risk? I mean, that, that's just by the very feature of what we're doing. We believe that's the case. Um, that could be physical risks. We've seen increasingly 
extreme weather events getting closer and closer to the UK. I don't think we've experienced anything on the same scale as some other parts of the world, like the heat dome in the northwest in, in North America and Canada, or the flooding we saw in Germany um, over you know the recent months. We haven't quite experienced anything as extreme as that, but it can't be far away and and that's pretty scary to think about but not just that i mean the fact fact that as a global economy we're reliant on um produce and distribution from all parts of the world and so volatility is a risk in and of itself and so overcoming that by taking climate action is another key key thing and the final one and this is probably the one that really resonates with me the most is trust will will what you're doing build trust in your brand i i believe that um our identity as a business has been transformed by becoming a B Corp and being vocal and active and actually getting on with climate action has built an incredible amount of trust in us as people, us as a business. And actually, that's one of the most powerful assets that you can have. It doesn't have a value on your balance sheet, but I think trust in your business ultimately paves the way to do great business with like-minded people. Uh, and that's really been something that I think we've benefited from hugely so i'm i'm you know you can hear from how i talk about this i'm a huge advocate of this not just for saving the climate but for positioning your business as a future thinking you know acting business that's taking responsibility for the biggest challenge that we're going to face over over the next few decades yeah i don't think you could have said it better and uh, i love the fact that you also touched upon the intangible asset for a given business which is you know brand equity and brand reputation and stemming also from the other side of the fence not looking at shareholders let's be honest customers are becoming ever more educated and uh, you know regarding whether it may be um, you know which shampoo should i pick up from uh, from the local supermarket you know what local uh, what um, packaging does it use or you know even within fashion i think the the growing trend is that you know you can't hide behind um, greenwashing any longer your um, your efforts are going to have to be bespoke and Ultimately, you will be judged by your um, by your efforts. And um, I wanted to ask you, was it really hard in order to find the right um, gold standard uh, partners in order to carry out your um, your planting initiative? So say I was for argument's sake, uh, um, MD of of a business here in Italy, similar to you software based, and uh, I didn't have the time nor the probably had the resources, but you know, I didn't have the time to juggle and find the right um, partners to carry out the planting. Was it? How was your journey from that point of view? Yeah, that was straightforward again. I mean, once you know the name of the respected accreditation, you know, the, the actual body that accredits um, these projects is called Gold Standard, and that's certainly the UK. Um, there are others as well. I, I think, I think uh, for me, it was not feeling like I had to have all the answers to these questions. And then by engaging a little in the topic, I was able to get straight to people who have studied right. environmental science for years, knew what they were talking about, um, totally um, directed me on stuff not to go for. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't take long. I mean, I think it's like anything when you're learning. I feel like I've learned so much over the last couple of years, learning about how to best approach a problem. The best thing you can do is go and speak to people that know the answers uh, or that have credibility. For sure. And so they directed me to, to you know these organizations so so not much at all and just to go back i'm not sure I, i'm just reflecting on your question around shareholders i'm not sure because it's been quite straightforward for me i'm not sure i gave a great answer for people that might work at 
another company where actually uh, maybe they're part of a PLC or a public business right. where shareholders right. ultimately have to be the number one priority for the business to, to, to really function effectively. Um, I think we are seeing a, a, a shift in, in the way that capitalism is working. Um, there's a great book I read recently by Mark Carney, the ex-governor of the Bank of England and now the UN envoy for climate and uh, finance and climate. And he talks about this shift in the investment world partly right. self-interest to be honest we can't we can't hold hold the investors uh, up there as you know the the most um purposeful people if if their job is to make money and to turn a profit and to grow and then sell a business like that's fine um that's how it works however the risk associated with business is now being linked to climate change and that's quite a big step and that hasn't been talked about that much until you know the last couple of years and part of that you know one, one of the things that really brought that home to me is the world economic forum posted their global risk index which they do annually um and this year which is a, i think this was the 16th year they've done it it was the first time ever that the top five global risks uh, according to the world economic forum are all related to climate change in some way so they have an environmental connection. and so if you're in the in the business of um, owning equity in business or investing in businesses, it is becoming a, a valid question to say, show me your your science based target for climate change. What is your exposure to the carbon markets? Because once carbon starts getting priced and traded, which is beginning to happen, and, and the UK is it's on on the cusp, I think, of happening there's a new liability in businesses that didn't exist before. And that's going to be quite a transformational moment when it's seen as, as clearly as that with it, literally a price tag on it. And so I think, exactly. the you know, the investment world, there's already trillions exactly. of dollars that are moving away from um, exposure to climate risk. And um, I think however big or small your business is, you can adopt the thinking um, very easily. I mean, it just makes complete sense. You know, just things like um, petrol and diesel cars, new sales are banned in the UK um, within the next 15 years. So that, that that industry needs to transform and all its suppliers need to transform. So why would you invest in that industry now? You know, it'd be such an odd decision. And that's just one sector. You know, the energy sector is another one where actually there's probably been the most success globally in tr- transforming how energy is produced and supplied. Um, this country in particular, that's one of the things we've actually moved quite quickly on and, and done well with. Um, so why would you invest in producing energy from fossil fuels now? You know, it's not where things are going. And I guess um, if you're a small business, you might not be making those sort of investment decisions, but you can be pretty sure you're a more attractive investment proposition if what you're doing is in line with a low carbon economy of the future, rather than persisting with just working as business as usual and not really paying it any attention. So I'm excited by that. And I think that, you know, the world of shareholders is mobilizing in this direction too. And you can be pretty sure that the future generation of shareholders that have grown up with this narrative, um, which has inspired many of us to take action, myself included, um, will be as hot on this as anyone. And so, um, you know, this is this this will shift more quickly over time as as um, I guess new types of investors and ways of investing come to market. And I think um, that's something I'm really excited by too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know the writing is on the wall because if you actually look at some of the most alpha-driven um, sources of um, of income for people is um, crypto, right? And now you know. Uh, who invest in crypto necessarily, I, w- I wouldn't say, you know, 
that I have, you know, stats in front of me, but, you know, with, um, this is a conversation that I have uh, quite routinely with my friends and you're looking at also emission certificates. So I do agree with you that it's a discussion that needs to be had and uh, it's going to be ever evolving. And, um, you know, there isn't just a target in mind. It's about learning together. And um, with regards to learning, I think I wanted to um, get your opinion on this, if possible, throughout your, um, what can I say, emissions quantifying journey within Propellinet, um, seeing that you're a software-based um, service and business, what were the portion of emissions originating from uh, data centers? Was this something that you had to uh, look into within your, within your journey? Because I don't think it's a topic that is touched upon enough within the mainstream media, but it's actually quite huge. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's something that we were, we've been struggling to get really accurate numbers on. In fact, um, there's a group that we've kind of thrown our support behind who are lobbying to have um, cloud-based and you know, data servers and um, data centers and cloud-based solutions publish their carbon footprint so that it can be calculated right. more easily. There's a lot of industries where that is declared. And so a lot of calculations that are made on carbon footprints are you can look them up apply an indices to your calculation okay. and then get a fairly accurate um, picture. But with with um, data transfer and communications technologies, there's too little information available. That said, um, whilst uh, yeah, I had a great stat, there's a brilliant company in the UK called Whole Grain Digital who do a lot of work in this area about greening the web, they call it, and it's a really inspiring um, journey there on. Um, I was chatting to the founder of that company and he, was, he, he commented that the... Um, digital consumption habits have grown at such a rate for all of us and that includes business but also personal um, consumption of digital content that now the digital sector has surpassed the aviation sector as a wow. carbon emitter which when you think about it in that context is, is pretty stark and, and also growing at an exponential rate outstripping provision of renewable energy to um, allow for that to be a green growth um, so there's a really interesting debate which we could we could talk on for uh, for hours I think around the digital carbon footprint that exists and how we're going to reduce it the the only thing i would say is that whilst collectively it's a large number as a percentage of an individual's carbon footprint it's not a large number and, and so you know our our biggest carbon emissions relate to the heating and cooling system in our single office and and now actually we've also wrapped in home working practice so the heating and cooling of our our team's wow. houses um, is probably the single biggest contributor to our carbon emissions. Um, apart from that, I guess things like travel, although we have minimal travel, that's probably one of the next biggest. Um, and then another unseen emission um, that's easy, less easy to spot is our investments. So, And by that, I just mean things like staff pensions, um, right. staff pensions, health care, um, also um, who we bank with. So we've reviewed all of that. We're currently undertaking a process of, of uh, finding the right solution. We haven't yet um, agreed on it, but we're looking at ways where we can make sure that our capital is invested in the right ways, because that's a indirect emission that we're responsible for. If we have a pension plan, we have, well, we do, we have a pension and a healthcare plan for all of our staff. So each month we pay um, a company some money to manage that. Where are they investing that? Because if it's fossil fuel um, dependent investments, then we don't want to be part of it. So um, there are bigger things. And I would say all of those factors are bigger than the digital and consumption and uh, data center habits of our business. Because 
they they are a, they are a small percentage of the total, but something that we also need to consider and think about ways that we can minimize um, the impact of that. Right, I agree, and I think I hope that there will be ever more um, disclosure and um, openness regarding this um, emissions originating from that. Also, considering where we're heading as an economy, because I think the remnants of the um, of the COVID um, pandemic and era, which is also an enemy that we've not fully yeah. um, defeated, but you know, a lot of um, businesses have adapted yeah. and uh, accommodate for their workforce to work from home. Yes. And um, as a concluding point that I wanted to ask you, um, there's a COP now looming 26 within the UK in Glasgow in November. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you know, radical measures and decisions will be taken and uh, you know, targets will be committed to in the future. And um, let's play, you know, a speculation game going forward. Say, you know, your amazing initiative grows and I don't know when the next COP will be, but I wanted to ask you if your initiative grows and uh, like-minded individuals come together and set up similar initiatives, do you think that the pooling together of uh, smaller businesses, and um, as you said, there's 6 million in, within the UK, maybe not necessarily 99% of those 6 million will come together, but a growing portion would then be able to put pressure onto the bigger whales of the um, of the industrials and with the, you know, understand what I'm saying? Like, so if the smaller can yeah. come together and become a whale themselves, do you think that they can further expedite their, um, um, their decision-making towards, you know, um, going towards a low carbon future for their business model as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's critical. I mean, no amount of climate action will ever be enough. Like that, that there are no non-radical solutions left. That's the right okay, we've left this, we've said we've left this so late to start acting with real intention and we're still not acting with intention everyone's talking too much and doing too little but i genuinely believe that mobilizing um so mobilizing of individuals is another focus right so if 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 everyone collectively does one thing better that can have a huge impact okay um but everybody has a job somewhere too right or most people have a job somewhere too and so Part of individual responsibility, I believe, is taking that into your workplace and saying, I think we should be doing more too. And if the company that they work for isn't doing enough, then putting pressure on that company. So it starts from this grassroots level and then builds up. I think what I love about the essence of low carbon leaders and why I'm so passionate and, and, and happy that this narrative is emerging from what we're doing is that the scale of ambition needs to be completely dialed up. I love, I love uh, being able to see a large com company who have pledged to plant a million trees or possibly not. Uh, I think I saw an insurance provider that said they were going to plant 10,000 trees uh, and, you know, they had 150,000 employees, uh, a global operation. And I was able to go into their thread and say to them, I run a 40 person agency and in less time than you, we're planting a million trees. What's going on? Right. This isn't climate action. This is, this is a gest gesture that doesn't even really get anywhere near to where you want to be. And it was great. We entered dialogue and they've, they've, they've got had food for thought. And I think, I think what we're trying to do is really shine a light on what, what is it, what is achievable, how big that can be. Um, and in some ways spotlighting when um, other organizations aren't moving as fast with it, because this is not a PR 
exercise. No. And unfortunately, too many businesses are seeing it that way. They're talking about sustainability and, and taking climate action. But then when you see what they're doing, it's just nowhere near enough or, or fast enough for what's needed. So, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I, 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 I've adopted the, the emblem of a hummingbird for low carbon leaders. And actually, we're going to be at COP26 running an SME net zero in six wow. months workshop. So this is, again, you know, dialing the rhetoric up around, look, actually for some businesses, net zero is achievable way quicker than 2050, which is, you know, the ultimate goal. So we're, um, so we're running that event and our goal and part of the legacy of COP26 is to create a swarm of hummingbirds. And so we're using the hummingbird emblem um, largely down to a story I heard um, that was written by uh, a Kenyan environmental Nobel laureate called Wangari Matai. She's sadly okay. no longer with us, but she was a pioneer of her time. And she talks about this story of the hummingbird where um, essentially it's the animal kingdom. Um, there's, there's a huge forest fire happening and all the animals have left the forest and they're looking back on this habitat just ablaze with utter horror. Um and as they're staring on, you know, there's an elephant, a giraffe, a, a hippo. As they're staring on, they hear this noise like flitting around behind their heads. And they finally catch sight of this tiny little hummingbird. And, and it's flying between a stream that's behind where they're standing and the fire with, with, with a drop of water in its beak as, as quickly as it can. Uh, and, and they stop the hummingbird and they say to the hummingbird, what, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You're like, You've got no chance of putting the fire out. Surely please tell us you're not trying to put the fire out. And the hummingbird just looks at these large animals and just says to them, I'm doing the most I can. That's all I can be asked to do. And actually, right. if you started taking water from the stream too, do you know what? We might at least fight this fire in, in one area. If not, you know, stand a chance of putting it out. Um, and it's such a beautiful story. I, 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 this was what woke me up to the whole climate issue. I went to my daughter's school play and one of her classmates read this story and I was literally welling up watching it wow. being said. And, wow. and, I, and I decided, wow. I turned, I did, that year I turned 40 and I committed to myself, I will be the hummingbird. I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to have an impact on this and I'm going to use the business that I run to, as part of it and I'm going to create an initiative that's part of it and I'm going to try and influence as many other people to think this way too. And so the, the whole goal of Low Carbon Leaders is to create a swarm of hummingbirds, so small businesses like the hummingbird in the story that collectively could have enough impact to actually put the fire out. And that's kind of the goal of the whole thing. So um, hopefully that gives you an idea of where this started and, and hopefully where it's going. And I've got six million hummingbirds to speak to, and that's just this country alone. So um, there you go. I'm hoping that a COP26 that part of the conversation and we can do some really great stuff um at the end of this year and, and all through next honestly this was beyond inspiring and uh, i couldn't thank you enough for the amazing and insightful conversation sam best of luck going forward with the with the initiative would you like to um you know take this opportunity to voice any other efforts that you're currently undertaking thank you yeah um i guess well low carbon leaders is you can find it at a website which is just lowcarbonleaders.org um, so any businesses that might be listening that are interested to get involved, um, we welcome anyone that wants to take this this challenge seriously, uh, whatever level you can. Um, and I'm really here. I, I give 20% of my time to climate action alongside my other job. Um, and so I'm very happy to speak to people individually, understand where they're at with their climate journey and, and try and help them take some shortcuts and have the biggest impact as quickly as possible. Um, if you happen to be in Glasgow for COP26, then uh, Wednesday the 3rd, 
uh, of November is when the workshop that I'm running um, is going to take place. Uh, I can share a link with you, Eric. So if people want to get in touch with you, they can see where to sign up. And we're not just running it in person in Glasgow. There's also a live stream of the workshop. So you could attend it from anywhere in the world. Um, So they're the main things I'm doing. I've also got a partnership with TEDx. um, So I'm running a countdown event uh, mid-November too. Um, It's on the 17th of November. And that's focused on... Uh, nature and climate restoration so all the talks are geared towards that topic too uh, and to, to be honest i feel like i'm only just getting started this is going to be one hell of a journey and it's it's, it's going to get uh, hopefully build momentum as we go so thanks for having me it's been great to speak to you today anyway thank you very much sam have a great day